everything that happens to us, I believe is for, I don't want to say a reason, but we can, we can utilize all those things. It shapes us, it breaks us, it remakes us in a way that we would never have been before then. February of 2017, Elizabeth came on the Gardenia Project to tell her story. She was episode number two. If you haven't had the chance to listen to it, then just pause this and go back and listen. It is such a powerful episode. Also, if you keep listening to this, you're going to hear a spoiler for that episode. I mean, it's not Game of Thrones worthy, but you've been warned. Okay, so the recap to remind you is that Elizabeth decided to hike a glacier in Bolivia in 2009. They left at midnight, and it was a really intense trip where she talks about mile-deep ravines that they could have fallen into, extreme cold, and how they were all tied together way too close so that they're pulling on each other. Early on, someone else turns back, and she stays, and then finally at about 4 a.m., she gets so sick and dizzy, and her hands are numb. She decides she needs to go back. So she tells the group guide, and they hike back down for a while, and of course she's feeling guilty, and she apologizes to him. And at some point as the sun is coming up, he decides that the rest of them should go up to the summit without her. So he unties her rope, stakes her ice pick into the ground on the side of the mountain, and her rope is so short that she can't stand up. So she's sitting on the side of the mountain in the freezing cold, and she's there for four hours. She didn't know at that point if she would survive. She talked in the podcast about how she lost faith and trust in people from then on. And she was trying to learn the lesson about how to stand up for herself in life. Fast forward to now. I checked in with her and asked if she wanted to do a follow-up podcast. And she said, yeah, I feel like my story is very different now than when I told it two years ago. What she didn't quite understand then was that fear was still crippling her life and holding her back. So today we'll hear what happens when we rewrite our own story. What's interesting and exciting about doing a podcast is that it's, it kind of bookmarks it. I get to tell a portion of my story, but it bookmarks it into history. So now when anyone listens to that version of the story, that's where it's held. Yet for me, there's continued healing, there's continued learning, there's continued... I would tell that story differently today because of the way I've grown. But what I love about the podcast is, is it shows me the different formations of what has healed since then. So I've, I've, I've written about being on the glacier and stuck on the glacier. I've had the podcast with you about the glacier, and it's been interesting since that recording. A few people have said, oh gosh, I've heard your story. <laughs> I'm like, and which has been great and interesting. Um, but when I felt that I recorded with you, I felt still trapped in it, that there wasn't complete freedom from my story. Because I was talking about how I came through a trauma, but I didn't necessarily heal from a trauma. And so, um, I knew after that podcast there needed to be significant more work done in that area of my life to find freedom, that I tell the story and I don't walk away feeling 
heavier. And so there's been a lot of transformation from that point until now and freedom from that story. Healing anything or understanding anything or learning from anything is a continued process. It's not a, a destination that we get out of the house, we go in the door and we're done, right? We, we drove on the road, we got to the place and we're over it. Like, it's just a drive that's always happening, right? We're, we're in the car forever. And there's stops along the way that are beautiful and wonderful and like, we get it in a new profound way and we feel good. We stop for ice cream, this is great. <laughs> but we're still driving. And I think that we all know that intellectually, but emotionally it can be exhausting because we think, oh, I got through this thing. I'm on the other side of it. I got out of the car. And, and that's not really the case. So was there a sense of relief in speaking it when you were done with the podcast? And how did you realize that even though you spoke it and told your story and you had sort of learned that you weren't done? When you tell a story and you relive the trauma through the telling of the story, that's when you know that healing has not fully occurred. What I found that I wanted to heal through fear. And so how that manifested is that I had this trauma that happened to me and I wanted to build barriers around myself so that it never happened again. And so there were certain signs that I wanted to look for, how people behaved, if they had my back, if I felt that I could really trust in them. There were certain things that I was deciding, and so I created a barrier and wall around myself. Because I've been in other situations that felt life or death situations, that bombs go off in my life, I've been evacuated from places, like crazy stuff that have happened. When I build a normal relationship in my life, my question was always, I wanna know if you're gonna be there if someone comes in here with a gun, which isn't normal. <laughs> so I build this wall around myself that I think I'm protecting myself because now I'm aware that if anything would possibly happen that resembles any of my traumas, again, I'm prepared. But really what I'm doing is I'm creating a stance of fear. I'm inviting more fear into my life and I'm willing to see it perpetuate because I'm believing certain lies. I'm thinking that the only way I'm going to get through the next step in life is by um, being so well protected that I, I'm not joyful. I don't have the adventures. I don't, I'm not excited about the next step in my life because I'm perpetuating the possibility that there might be something bad to happen. You know, trauma is stored in a unique way in our brain. And so it seeps out into multiple areas in our life. Totally. So you're living in fear mm -hmm. all the time in a way that says, oh, I'm not though, because I'm just being prepared. Right. So it's packaged in this other way that says, oh, I'm doing a good thing for myself in being prepared. And the reality is at some point you realize that you're living there. Right, so it's all of these lies. And there's so much that goes into fear, right? If it's not, if it's not love, it's fear. It's the opposite, right? And so sometimes we look as, as boundaries, as it's really just fear. 
Not that there aren't good and healthy boundaries that we need in our life, but right. oftentimes we say, oh, I'm creating boundaries. I'm like, no, you're just present, preventing yeah. yourself yeah. from ever loving or opening up or creating meaningful um, experiences and relationships in your life. And I think that initially, that's sort of what we have to do to, to feel safe and sane, right? I mean, it only makes sense that you come out from from on the other side of these things with this idea of like, I have got to keep myself safe. So in telling the story, you kind of start to unravel the realization that you're still living in fear. And then what? So where do we go from there? Where do you go when you're living in this perpetual fear? And for me, it looked different because I've traveled and explored and done things. So my fear tolerance looks a bit different, I think, than others. But it did manifest in ways where I trusted people less. I, it would take me far longer to invest in relationships. Uh, it would keep me on the move. It would keep me on the move because the shorter times I'm in experiences, the better it is for me. Because if it gets sticky and hard and whatever, I can I can keep going. So I would start seeing these patterns of behavior, or I would start seeing that there's some deeper issues that I've thought I've dealt with in therapy or in other places in my life, but I really haven't gotten to the core of what are these lies I'm believing and what does that what does that look like for me? I think when I started realizing that there really are distinctively two options in life, you can choose love or you can choose fear, you start realizing how more often you are choosing fear in any slight variation. Your body restricts a little bit. You want to be more closed off to things. And love is expansive. It's, it's, um, it's huge and it's overwhelming and that's when I started realizing it's oftentimes counterintuitive because it 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 seems to be that if it exposes you more then you have more quote-unquote to risk but it actually frees you up and lets you release things that you've never knew that you were holding on to so I'm in the formation of what does that look like for me and any crossroads to choose love, to give more, to realize that most of us in this world are hurting. We're all healing and hurting from something. And so our instinct is to choose fear. But if I choose love, I become more free. Do you think that this realization made you more spiritual? Were you already on a spiritual path and it was in association with being a spiritual person that you started to uncover this? Did they happen together? Like, how did that play out for you? I've had a strong faith for a long time, but all of these stories and traumas in our life start building a foundation. And so I had another trauma that happened about a, over a year ago, and that got me to a place of total surrender that the things that I was trying to control, the things that I was trying to hold on were actually crippling me instead of allowing me to live the life that I wanted to live. I wasn't pressing forward into joy. I wasn't being curious. I'm curious about everything. And this time I was just, I don't, curiosity would hurt me in some way, the possibility of it. So um, I had to totally surrender. And then I started realizing that 
if I actually believe the faith that I believe, there's so much freedom in it. That's what it says, but that's not what I'm living. And so what does it mean to get to a place that these words actually ring true? That they do actually provide healing. They do provide healing. They do provide freedom in a way that I've never experienced before. The biggest victory that happened in that entire story was when I was staked to the ground and I had the choice at that point. I didn't make the best choices all along because I was hoping someone responded differently. But at that moment, all by myself, sitting on the glacier, not knowing if I would ever leave, I had the choice if I wanted to be buried in fear or if I wanted to be surrounded by joy. And that's when I just started praying. And that vision of what the mountains looked like with the clouds hovering over and the sun starting to rise will never be lost from me. Like that is embedded in my brain forever. And if I just had a really great experience on that glacier, I would never have seen that. I think our stories can be healing to others if we're allowed to see that that transformation can happen, that we can, from this day forward, live to our fullest, live in love, be curious, still experience and still adventure and not have lost the core of who we are in the process. Not only not losing who you are in your core, but also possibly adding to your core, right, through these experiences. So this trauma first made you more fearful but in the long run, it shifted you into somebody who can embrace love and trust in a completely different way. When I did the podcast and told my story, there was a little hesitancy of this has happened to me and it happened to me, so what's wrong with me? As if this belief that we're supposed to walk through life and it's supposed to be, if we're good people, I should just have this blissful, wonderful life. And so the fact that this happened to me, I wanted to correlate with, it must demonstrate something about my character and who I am. Even though I would never tell that to anyone else's story, I would actually advocate the exact opposite. Whether whatever trauma they've been through, I would say, no, this has nothing to do with you. Yes. Yet for me, it felt that it did. How I've been able to change perspective on that piece is that everything that happens to us, I believe, is for, I don't want to say a reason, but we can, we can utilize all those things. It shapes us, it breaks us, it remakes us in a way that we would never have been before then. What I really wanted was someone to stand up for me because I wasn't ready to stand up for myself. I'm waiting and I'm looking around for permission for everyone else to stand up for me when I am not standing up for myself. To be able to be me means standing up for myself, means advocating for who I am. And it sometimes takes some of us really dramatic and traumatic situations like this to get to a point that it's like, I should have been doing this all along. I am my only advocate. What I had found since 
the glacier is that I had repetitive traumas because I hadn't done the proper healing, because I was waiting for other people to advocate for me. And most of the time, people advocate for you if you advocate for yourself. They just do. They see what's what's there and what's the value. And so we're all worth advocating for ourselves. I'm feeling more joyful in life knowing there will continue to be opposition no matter what. We can't avoid it. It's always there. It's part of life. Death is part of life. All of these things are part of life. Uh, but oppositions can be created into opportunities. And I think they become opportunities for us to grow, for others to grow around us with the way we respond to them, the way we walk through them. Um, we become models and advocates for how we're able to heal. Uh, and we need to take time for that. We want to rush over that to seem like we're okay and therefore miss the really transformative work that needs to be done when we sit in our brokenness a bit longer and um, really are able to comb through and love on the pieces of us that have happened to us and have people in our lives and faith in our lives that speak into all those broken pieces so that the light can restructure and shine through. Her whole theory that we had the choice of choosing love over fear, totally up my alley. Our stories can be healing if we allow ourselves to see that transformation can happen and we're always given the opportunity to grow in the way that we walk through life in these lessons. Her truths about how after experiencing a trauma, you try and build a wall to protect yourself from it ever happening again. Yeah, I totally get those realities. I've done that. A lot of us have. But then also how, you know, once we build those walls, they shut out everything, not just danger or fear. Elizabeth retold her story to herself through the lens that gave her the option to choose love over fear, but she had to do that every day. And in that way, she opened up her life to so much more than she was living. It's not always an easy choice to let our guard down, but it does open up a whole world of freedom and possibilities. I choose that too. I choose it every day. And I have to remind myself, just like we all do. In the practice of retelling our stories constantly, we get to make further choices about how we live our life. I love that. Always learning, always moving forward. A gigantic hug of thanks goes out to Stephanie Cohn for producing this episode. And as always, the theme song, thank yous, go out to Keith Kenneth. Are you loving these stories? Are you glad you're listening? I see you guys. I've got more followers on the podcast. I'm getting your comments. Thank you so much. I want to remind you that this podcast is largely a labor of love. We aren't in the black yet. We thank our sponsor, Jen Moore of Modern Medicine Lady and EmpathicMastery.com for her support her sponsorship will be back in the next episode and if you wanted to give us a gift of your support financially we would be so grateful for that and you can do it over on patreon.com backslash the gardenia project <laughs>